You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is uh, Father James Scholl, and we uh, are coming to the uh, second discussion on uh, uh, Dean's book on Augustine. Now, the reading, the, the readings on justice in the state uh, in Dean's book is what we will be talking about. First, I would like briefly to cite from an email that I received from Professor Peter Embley, a professor of political philosophy at Carlson University in Canada, uh, as it pertains to our course. Quote, My current interest in Augustine is somewhat more political than philosophical, though it opens to larger theoretical questions. I am intrigued by its notion that peace and leisure are the this-worldly approximations of divine repose, an imitation of the divine within the limits of the world. So here you might recall Joseph Pieper's famous book, Leisure, the Vases of Culture, which is a must-read. And you might take a look at my book called on the unseriousness of human affairs, as I am interested in how his account of peace and uh, uh, Aristotle's account of eudaimonia, the Greek word for happiness. So, uh, Emberley says, I am uh, thinking specifically of his account in the City of God, book 19, chapter 13, called The Peace of the Body, is a tempering of the uh, component parts in duty ordered proportion. And is this, it's pure Plato, right? And it resonates with one another. When taken together with the beautiful image of the soul, of the soul's attunement uh, to the divine in the Confessions, of Book 3, Chapter 8, it seems to me that Augustine holds out a more positive teaching uh, that citizens can, with the grace of God, acquire a heightened agency, which makes earthly life less a veil of tears than an opportunity to reestablish the comity of mankind. Granted, such a possibility has to be uh, ba- balanced with Augustine's much stronger emphasis on the um, contingencies which disrupt our daily uh, human lives and the um, ineradicability of human sin. This is a an emphasis which takes us once back to the more austere account of politics which dominates the book. This line of thought was provoked by uh, Hannah Rent's thesis on Augustine, uh, specifically on the Christian doctrine, and the book on Augustine, well worth reading, uh, Hannah Rent's book, which, uh, despite the deep and dark adherence of Heidegger, offers some intriguing insights into the possibility of uh, within our neighbor's love. The end of the quote. Both the celebrated philosopher Hannah Arendt and Joseph Rothinger, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, 
wrote doctoral dissertations on Augustine. I think Albert Camus did also. The comments of Emberley are also reflected in the great essay of Charles N. R. McCoy on Augustine in the Strauss and Croftsy History of Political Philosophy, the first edition, as well as in the Elstein book, Augustine and the Limits of Politics. The question is, how does this relate uh, to the anti-utopian, anti-utopian aspect of Augustine, as in Dean? So we should see John East's famous essay, which you can find online, uh, called The Political Relevance of St. Augustine, which is a very good essay to find. Let me begin here by citing a passage from chapter 2 of Dean. It is therefore absolutely impossible to establish on earth, Dean says, a society or state made up of saints or true Christians. Thus, if we wish to understand how social, economic, and political life operates, and how indeed they must operate, we have to start with the assumption that we are dealing, for the most part, with fallen, sinful men. It is they who set the tone and fix the imperatives of earthly life and its institutions. In the quote on page 39. Two points here are worth uh, noting. One, the state will be composed of men who are not perfect. And two, a lot of Christians in such a situation may be dire. What is meant by providence? Quote, the absolute confidence in the universal domination of the providence of God and in the justice and goodness of God is the ground for the ultimate optimism of Augustine, which is the bedrock uh, that lies beneath his realistic, pessimistic analysis of human nature and human conduct. On page 68. So even Dean sees that there is room for an Augustinian optimism. Why is this providence a ground for optimism? On page 60, Dean cites the following passage from a sermon of Augustine. And this is the great anti Rousseau principle that is, it is the inner will not external institutions, that is the cause of human problems. This is what Augustine said. The world is evil. Lo, it is evil, and yet it is loved as though it were good. But what is this evil world? For the heavens and the earth and the waters and the things that are therein, uh, the fish and the birds and the trees, are not evil. All these are good, but it is evil men who make the world evil. The end of the quote. Recall the creation account in Genesis. God looks on each thing and sees it is good. The term uh, the world, especially in the Gospels of John, the name of the world means not the physical cosmos, which is good, but the world as affected by or drawn 
uh, to sin. What is at stake here is whether we can uh, distort things by our own evil choices. In one sense, providence will always bring good out of evil. On the other hand, God, in making us free, must allow us the consequences of our actions. Otherwise, why be free? This will mean that evil is possible, even probable. The chapter on morality and justice applies uh, what we have seen in the internal movements of the soul as they affect others. In this chapter, Dean makes the distinction between social and political life. For Augustine, man is a social animal, even in the fall, though the fall affects his social relationship. Quote, Augustine follows this uh, traditional Christian doctrine that society and social life are natural to mankind and hence are to be sharply distinguished from the state and the political and legal order. Human sociability and friendship extend, or rather should extend, to the entire human race. The fact that every man is endowed with reason makes all men kin. The end of the quote on page 78 and 79. One of the things that we learn clearly from Augustine is this. What is pride? I'll be able to explain quite clearly uh, what this supreme vice is. See page 81 uh, in Dean's book for starters. This chapter deals with justice. There is both a natural and a supernatural virtue of justice. Page 83. Recall what Aristotle said on justice in Book 5 of the Ethics. Quote in uh, Dean, The perfection of virtue is attainable only in the life to come. Page 83. That's in Dean, uh, referring to Augustine. Does therefore the notion of perfection have no purpose in this life? Augustine is here stating that he take what he takes to be a fact. True perfection is not to be attained in this life. But this does not deny the issue Emberley was getting at above. The true justice of the Christian consists not only of equity and fair dealing, uh, natural justice, Aristotle in Book 5, but of real benevolence, that is, love of and concern for the neighbor, which issues from the conscience of the, of the heart. The question is, can we give this better kind of grace to ourselves? Incidentally, many inquire about the notion of free will in Augustine, which is discussed by Dean. Augustine is one of the main theoretic architects of the very idea of free will. Hannah Arendt, I think, has said that Augustine invented it. The notion of decision and deliberation in Aristotle, of course, stands behind this uh, notion of free will already. But revolution, revelation makes the Platonic 
notion of our own responsibility uh, for our own diamond or final status more poignant and uh, dramatic. There are two things to keep in mind. One, we cannot save ourselves in the sense that we cannot give ourselves eternal life. Uh, that has to be a gift, but even as a gift, it has a component of our own will. And secondly, God cannot make us free beings, that is, give us a free will and turn around and deny us in operation. That is, any subsequent act of God uh, must include a free will component on the part of men. Notice also above, on the same page 83, where Augustine says of the virtues, Augustine defines virtue as perfect love of God. Its four divisions, temperance, fortitude, justice, and prudence, recall Aristotle, are, are four forms of love. Justice, for example, is love serving God only, and therefore ruling well all else as subjects to man. What has happened here is that Augustine has applied the natural or cardinal virtues to the new and higher end proffered by revelation, a new content to the definition of happiness, so that the virtue the virtues as a means of attaining it are transformed even in uh, remaining themselves. That is to say, they then are ordained to higher end, which is our salvation. Augustine thus accepts the teaching of Plato in the most uh, precious possession, that the most precious possession of man is the health of his soul. The good man will not injure that highest good by doing evil in order to attain or to safeguard any inferior possession, page 84. I note this and the following passages to remind us of how Augustine relates to and requires our knowledge of the Greek and Roman classic. That is, in my terms, we have to know what the mind can know by itself in order to know what is addressed to it by revelation. Quote, Since Christianity enjoys, enjoins upon its believers the virtue of justice, self-control, frugality, and conjugal fidelity, its morality, Augustine insists, is far superior to that described and extolled in the pagan writings about the gods. Yeah, page 85. This is, of course, uh, what Plato said in the Republic. That is, he knew that these descriptions were dangerous, and hence the poets in the uh, uh, polis created the problem because they described uh, vice in a very enticing way. Some of you have uh, taken uh, the natural law course and many have seen the treatise on Aquinas on the subject of law. Since Augustine insists that human fellowship and social life are natural to man, it is not surprising that he follows St. Paul 
in Romans 1 to 2, and the church fathers, that is to say those early scholars in the church, uh, St. Basil, St. Augustine, St. Leo, and, and the early fathers, um, I recognize the existence of a law of nature in us, a basic moral law that is written in the hearts of all men, which is a phrase from Augustine, and the title of the book of uh, J. Budashevsky about the natural law. And that is distinct from human laws or divinely revealed laws. Uh, the, basis, the basic precept of the natural law, which should guide men in all their dealings with others, is the golden rule in its negative form. That is, do not do unto others what you would not have them others do unto you. On page 85. The latter understanding of natural law is Cicero. I'll recall his uh, essay on duties and his uh, introduction and the introduction to the Penguin uh, Grant collection. The Ten Commandments, Revelation, and the Gospel precepts do not contradict or annul the law of nature. Rather, they make it more explicit and overt and give it the greater force of God's direct commandment to men. Page 86. Quote, The law of God, the basis, the basic principle of morality and justice, is eternal and unchanging, but the specific detailed customs and positive laws that govern men, govern men's relations, may differ from time to time and from place to place in accordance uh, with circumstances and the needs of the different laws or customs may all conform to what is right and just. We call the Simon book on authority on this. These institutions, such as private property, we call Aristotle and Plato, and the entire legal and political order are divinely ordained as both punishment and remedies for sinful conditions of men, page 96. You will want to reflect on his, um, uh, on this uh, view, how it relates to the account in Genesis of the consequences of the fall, and to Aristotle and Aquinas on the fact that these institutions are also, in some sense, natural and flow out of the very notion uh, that man is a political animal. Incidentally, Aquinas translates uh, the man is a political animal of Aristotle as man is a social and political animal. Note this in relation to the discussion of Dean uh, of the social as opposed to the political side of Augustine. Augustine does not think there is much justice, in fact, around in the world. He gets this from uh, reading the morning papers from experience. He says, quote, on page 97, 98, Earthly peace and order, pox, is one of the great Augustinian terms. Know what it means for your own peace of soul. So, peace and order must also be defended 
by the heavy hand of coercion and punishment. Recall Plato on punishment. And let's do so in order to prevent them from being destroyed by the powerful forces of sin. Human selfishness, pride, covetousness, ambition, lust, and lust can, uh, are still factors that need to be dealt with. <clears throat> Augustine takes pains uh, to point out that the entire fabric of human civilization and earthly government rests on order, predictability, and peace, while those in, uh, in turn are based on upon the invisible and intangible foundations of human reason and understanding and uh, uh, men's conception of justice, equity, uh, and uh, the natural uh, and their mutual confidence, the end of the quote. This is but another way to state the phrase of the George Will and Plato, the statecraft is soulcraft. Let us say, what goes on in our soul is what shows up in the external order. Augustine has much Plato in him uh, through Cicero. External institutions are formed by what goes on inside of our souls first. You did not hear it here first, uh, uh, but you did hear it, that this is the case, the attention to your soul is the attention to the state. There is a lovely discussion of peace in Augustine, and Deans uh, presents it well. Quote, page 99, uh, True peace is the absence not only of overt conflict, but of all resistance, uh, contradictions, and opposition. Quote, page 103, The principle a mechanism through which the state secures this temporal, external peace and concord is the legal system. Therefore, it is always right to go, so therefore, why we have so many lawyers, I suppose. He says on page 103, therefore, it is the church's members, it's church, the church's members do not hesitate to obey the laws of the earthly city, provided only that those laws do not require them to deny the commands of God. Thus, they cooperate in maintaining uh, the um, precarious and inferior yet all-important peace of Babylon, the end of page 103. This is the justification both for leading a religious life and for participating in politics with no illusions. Babylon is the phrase used in the city of God for political institutions in this world. Notice the focus of man. Man's life is not principally political. Note that private property, what he says on private property on page 105. <clears throat> the Donatists were a her was a heresy prevalent in the later life of Augustine and they were important for the rest of this book. And note what they hold here on page 105. Uh, note what is said about wealth and poverty. Augustine always couples his admonition uh, to rich men not to trust their wealth or to love their possessions 
with warnings to the poor not to trust their poverty. Page 111. In the world of today, this is very countercultural. We often, we often religious people, think that goodness and badness are equivalent uh, to your income. Augustine is clear that both the rich and the poor can lose their souls and both can save them. Depends upon what they do. Slavery gets into the discussion also as one of the consequences of the fall. It is far worse to be in bondage to sin than to be in bondage to another man, page 114. This is not a justification of slavery, but a statement of principle. The slave can save his soul even in bondage. The free man can lose his even in his freedom. It depends upon what he holds and what he does. Chapter 4 of Dean is on the state and is a fine chapter. Notice the subtitle. If you understand that subtitle, you will understand and be able to explain the whole point of the uh, political of political Augustinianism for the state as return of order or disorder. However, as long as this world lasts, <clears throat> there will never be a society or a state made up solely or, or even predominantly of, of the saved, page 116. This is a statement of fact. Political philosophy uh, thinks in its heart. He says on page 117, quote, the state does not seek to make men truly good and virtuous. Rather, it is interested in their outward actions, and it attempts, with some success, to restrain its citizens from performing a certain kinds of harmful and criminal acts. We have also observed that the state is a non-natural remedial institution like private property, slavery, and other forms of dominion of men over men. It is a consequence of the fall, page 117. If you recall the transition from the ethics to the politics, at the end of the ethics of Aristotle, you will see how this view of Augustine is compatible with Aristotle and Aquinas. Indeed, one of the purposes of this course is that each student will be able to give a brief and coherent account of this relationship. The above passage is one of the key statements of what is at issue. Notice also how Dean relates Augustine not only to Plato, but to Machiavelli, Luther, and Hobbes, page 117. This aside of the, on this side of the relationship, you should also be able to explain. This is a point of my essay, Augustine and Machiavelli, that you can find online. Check what Dean says about this thesis of, about the thesis of McElwain, page 120. McElwain, a famous scholar of medieval thought, ignores Another important uh, statement by Augustine, when he repeats 
at greater length the same idea that the only true republic in the Ciceronian sense is the city of God, page 121. We will have to factor in Cicero into this also, especially how he read Plato and its relationship to actual the actual Roman state. <clears throat> the definition of the state of Cicero is of great importance in understanding Augustine. Quote, when he, Augustine, tells a Christian ruler or a magistrate that he ought to use his power not only to secure peace and prosperity for the people, but also to promote and foster true religion and piety among them. He is reminding him of his duties as a Christian who is seeking to win eternal salvation. He is not discussing what a state must do if it is to be a state, nor is he advising the ruler uh, to neglect fundamental functions of the political and legal order, page 133. The important thing for us to remember is, on page 34, is the insistence of Augustine uh, that it will never be true that the world will be ruled by the wise and the godly. Recall the discussion in the Republic about the location of the city and speech, which is in the mind and not in reality. On page 138, we read, Augustine is perfectly explicit about the purpose of the earthly state, police, army, jail, punishment, law, and of the uh, coercive and punishment it employs. The heavy hand of the state and its dreaded instruments of repression are necessary because they are the only method by which sinful men can often be restrained. Page 138. This issue comes up in any exercise of military power. <laughs> the pacifists think that they can live, uh, can do good without coercion. The realists think that things will get worse without it. <clears throat> page 141 we read, These reflections about the purpose of the state, the maintenance of external peace and order, and about the means that it employs to achieve this end, punishment and uh, deprivation of possessions, liberty and life, exhibit one of the most characteristic features of the thought of Augustine about man and his life on earth, namely, his keen awareness of the paradoxical and uh, paradoxes and ironies uh, that mark every aspect of the human condition and especially political life. Page 141. This is another great summary of the approach of Augustine to politics. On page 143, we read. Augustine will grant much power to the state. The state is thus a gift of God to man, uh, despite the inadequacies and imperfections that necessarily mark the peace and justice that it can maintain among the unredeemed, page 143. Anyone who resists duly constituted authority 
resist the ordinance of God, which is a quotation from St. Paul. Page 148, we read, Christians owe the same obedience and honor to kings who are not Christian kings that they do, that they must render to Christian rulers. Page 148, most of us are filled with the uh, right of revolution as if it were immediately solves things. Augustine thinks uh, that these same things can often be better uh, solved by obedience. In any case, this passage goes back to Aristotle uh, that the state as such is a natural institution. To put it in Christian terms, Caesar, the state, has by nature of things to be rendered to. This is what political philosophy is also about. And so see the passage of Augustine on page 148 to 9. We have no right to resist the commands of the state or to rebel against the constituted authority. So Augustine was very cautious that if you do this all the time, things will get worse. The other side of this is the position of Socrates, <clears throat> that it's better to suffer uh, than to do evil. Augustine is not here saying that what is worse, that what the worst state does is all right to do. His question is, what do we do about it? One of my favorite lines in this book is the citation of Augustine. The office of the emperor has been filled by a constant succession of dying men, 851. I almost think I should make a bronze sign and hang it over the door. Uh, it is from here in the City of God, Book 4 and Chapter 5. From the Old Testament, we have the idea that, that, politic, uh, that, that political um, actions are themselves punishments of God on individuals or peoples who do evil. So you got the idea that the reason why you're punished is because you're doing evil. And there's also the notion of atonement. Quote, this life is only the anteroom of eternal life, a place of suffering and punishment for sin and a testing ground for the virtues of the faithful. Page 151. What is really going on is the world may not have anything much to do with events of public life. C.S. Lewis writes of this in The Weight of Glory. Augustine says, The institutions of social, economic, and political life have no real positive value. Their essential contribution is that they hold down the dark fashions of sinful men and provide a measure of peace and stability. 152. Recall that it is in the chapter on theology that the Dean, that the explanation uh, of why these dark passions exist, uh, we can find the discussion of it. The state simply deals with the consequences of what it cannot by its own means of remedy or reach. In one of his letters, Augustine wrote, Men are not called 
of good because they refrain from wrongdoing through their fear of such thing. No, no one is good through dread of punishment, but through love of righteousness. Even so, it is not without advantage that human recklessness should be confined uh, by fear of the law, so that innocent people may be safe uh, among evildoers, and the evildoers themselves may be cured by calling on God uh, when their freedom of action is held in check by a fear of punishment. Um, that is on page 179, and not a bad statement, and it is with that that we will conclude this second section. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.